I didn't even touch anything. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Donovan Block. I'm an alcoholic. Donovan. This is why I need a cell phone, Kelly. Okay. David. Yeah. I need to put the timer on. I have. I have a timer. What do I have? A till ten o'clock. Is that what time we end? Can we get uh, David and Kelly to block the doors, keep the newcomers from running out? <laughs> um, give me a moment. Always nervous when I'm about to share. Let me get my time. Again, my name is Donald Block. I'm an alcoholic and I've done lots of drugs as well. I'm glad this is an open meeting. Thank you, Mark, for coming here. Being my guest speaker for 10 minutes. Uh, Naveed, good seeing you, buddy. Uh, thank you for welcoming me when I showed up, Kelly, David, and some others that were outside waiting. Uh, thank you so much for being greeters, basically. And where's Monica? Hey, there she is. If you guys don't like what I have to say, go up to her, complain to her. She's the one that invited me to share. Remember, this is Alcoholics Anonymous. Our motto is we blame others. And I'm very good at that. I'm very good at that. I grew up uh, doing that. I've learned very well for a long time how to do it. And uh, it was always dad's fault, you know, uh, growing up as a kid, doing something wrong. And uh, my dad was a disciplinary of military man. Um, we have a great relationship today because I'm sober. Uh, not so much when I was a kid growing up. I have a loving mother, you know, grew up in a middle-class uh, blue-collar collar family out in Diamond Bar. That's which is right outside of Orange County and uh, north in L.A. County next to Pomona. And uh, played sports as a kid, you know, excelled in certain areas. Um, not much into school, was never a very good student. By the time I was uh, 12 or 13, I learned how to blame dad very well for the shit he had done. And when I found pot, marijuana, I fell in love. And that was the answer. It was the ah, ah, ah moment, aha. And I continued to chase that for a very long time. By the time I was 15 years old, a freshman in high school, my parents were on vacation for a week and they left me alone. I had two older sisters that were uh, already gone because when I was 15, they were out of the house. So I was home alone, which was fantastic. And I had a lot of uh, drug using friends because we are who we hang out with. And in one week I had done cocaine, acid, mushroom, methamphetamines, uh, Freon out of your air conditioning unit and uh, alcohol and marijuana were staples. And I thought that was normal. That's what normal kids do. This is what a normal kid does at 15 is we experiment. And uh, throughout high school, I continued to use methamphetamines here and there. And uh, again, marijuana and alcoholic are, are, are staples. That's uh, every day, every day. Uh, when I graduated high school, I did not go to college. I was not a student. I didn't do very well in school. Uh, Mark went to college and graduated. I barely graduated high school. In fact, junior year, I was called into the dean's office and uh, there was a moment there, another, you know, I need to write these God shots when I remember them. There was a God shot junior year in high school. Um, my mom had, I was called into the dean's office and was held, uh, shown about 25 
letters supposedly uh, signed by my mother, which were signed by me. And it was very obvious. And uh, the dean decides to call my mom to make sure she tells, tells me, if your mom didn't sign these letters, I'm letting you know right now you're getting expelled from school. And I was like, oh shit, there is a God. I was praying, I was praying hard because I was gonna get in deep shit from dad if this found out, and you know, this, this is not good. Uh, decide, the dean calls my mom on the phone and uh, my mom's at work. And of course she's gotten these phone calls throughout my, my school career. And uh, the dean proceeds to tell her that there's 25 notes here that apparently are signed by her, but it doesn't look like her signature. My mom knew something was up and said, I signed every single one of those. Whew. So I, I was on probation the whole senior year, something I would get used to being on probation. Um, continued to get in trouble as I graduated high school, I found a job. Um, my sisters constantly told me I was a loser. It was no good. And uh, I, I believed it. I believed it. I am a loser. And nobody beats me up like I do. Um, I was told this, if uh, anybody were to talk to me the way I talk to me, I'd punch him right in the face. I'm terrible to myself, even today. Even in sobriety, I can beat myself up. And uh, there's a lot of men around me that have, I can learn from. I have good friends today, best friends that are all sober. So after high school, I continued to use methamphetamines and I had a job and everything's going well. I'm having fun. Um, I find the one, the girlfriend, this is the one. And uh, we were together for three or four years. Eventually methamphetamines caught up. Um, she was not any of that sort. She was the good girl, Catholic type, goody two shoes. Uh, so I had my secret life over here with these friends. And then I had my girlfriend over here and, and that's the way I kept it separate. And uh, when things finally caught up, when the hat was out of the bag, um, she didn't stay with me. And that was not a good uh, moment for me. I'd hit a bottom at the age of 23. Um, living in Pomona at a drug dealer's house in the garage. And I was up all night playing darts every night. I'm very good at darts. Put me on methamphetamine. I'm pretty much good at everything I do. <laughs> um, back in the day, I would, I would always use this line as, uh, you know, you take a, I could take a perfectly working VCR and turn it into a non-working DVD player. <laughs> 23 years old, I'm living in a garage in Pomona at the drug dealer's house. I have no job, I have nothing, I'm a loser. And my sister, my oldest sister takes me into her house, get me out of that, they knew, to get me out of that situation. So I'm living with my sister and her husband and um, they smoke pot, thank God, because there's no way I, I can go on with life without at least smoking pot. And so continued to smoke weed and my definition of sobriety was smoking weed and drinking. I can keep a job. I can maintain. I don't steal from you. I don't steal from mom and dad. I don't steal from family. Uh, I have a job The you know, um, people like me, I'm a good person. And, uh, 27 years old, my best friend dies in a car accident. 
nothing to do with drugs or alcohol related. It was just a rainy year. And I'm 27 years old and I get the case of the buckets. Again, I blame others. Now, now I have the blame source of God. Fuck you. I want nothing to do with you. I'm done. And uh, I have this job where I work on doors, just a door guy. And uh, the company catches up with me and, and says, uh, hey, what are all these charges on the credit card? <laughs> you were in Vegas. And uh, what's this charge? So I had a few charges in Vegas, no business charging, uh, making charges in Vegas, Home Depot charges. I would uh, buy stuff, return it, get the cash, and then I could go get my methamphetamines and uh, continue so on and so on. 27 years old, they, they said, you're done. You have uh, two, two, uh, two choices. You can forget about your family and your friends and, and, and uh, your job here, forget it and just leave, or you can go to rehab. And I've never been to rehab. And this was my first stint going to rehab. And this was August 23rd of 2005. My sobriety date is September 4th of 2005. And the reason I went to rehab is I said, well, it's not much of a choice. I guess I'll try this rehab thing out for 90 days. And we'll see where it goes from there. Do I get to keep my job? And they said, yes, absolutely. Great. Wonderful. Well, let's see how this works. And I uh, come into the rehab facility, the, the, the intake coordinator, the lady, I can't remember her name, Krishna, I think it was. And uh, we're having a discussion about how I cannot drink at this rehab facility. And I said, I don't think you understand. I'm not an alcoholic. I can drink. I'm 27 years old. I just got to stop smoking meth. Can you do that for me? And we proceeded to have this conversation over and over and over again. So I said, okay, whatever. I gave up. My hands are up. No drinking. Sure. Whatever you say. Uh, proceeded to go get a drink while I was in rehab a couple of times during a meeting uh, that the rehab bus would take me to. I would walk out during break and I'd go get a drink because I'm not an alcoholic. You guys might be, but I'm not. Anybody who here in a rehab facility that can't stop drinking while in rehab, you might be an alcoholic. <laughs> I drink to get fucked up. That's what I do. It's not for the taste. I drink for the effect. Beer, all that stuff, whatever it does, just get it down as fast as I can. Because I need something inside me to make me feel better about who I am. Because I don't like who I am. Uh... 30 days goes by and something magical starts to happen. I start to think a little bit clearly. I get a sponsor, start working steps. I'm doing two meetings a day. 60 days go by. I still don't identify as an alcoholic. I'm about to move out with another uh, alcoholic. It's a great idea when two newcomers move in together as roommates. A lot of fun happens and sparks start to fly. So I move out with this uh, other newcomer. We get an apartment in Laguna Niguel and uh, we're having fun at first. And then he starts, uh, proceeds to start smoking crack again. And uh, two weeks before I move out, this uh, epiphany, another God shot I had was, hey, this, this, this uh, sobriety thing is not so bad. You know, I think I had 75 days sober. And uh, why don't you just try and give it a shot another month? 
another month, you know, one day at a time. Maybe, maybe alcohol is a problem. Maybe when I drink, I end up smoking pot. When I end up smoking pot, I end up smoking meth. And uh, that's just how I roll. It's only a matter of time before that happens for me. Because when I drink, I don't get the effect that I'm looking for. When I smoke pot, I don't get the effect I'm looking for. When I smoke meth, I, it comes pretty damn close to getting that effect of what I'm looking for. And then I can't get enough. And that obsession takes over. And that's where that big book talks about I'm doomed. I'm doomed. The doctor's opinion, I'm doomed. And then the story, and then the, I think it's chapter two states it again, I'm doomed. Once I put a substance in my body, I'm doomed. I can't stop. I cannot stop. I'm sober now for three months in a, in a rehab, uh, not in a rehab anymore with a roommate. And uh, I still got my job and uh, life is starting to happen. I'm doing a lot of meetings. When I come into rehab, I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm distraught. I got a lot of chaos going on, but I can't let any of you know that. So when I come into a meeting, I got my shit together. Don't worry. I got it going on. And I fucking absolutely do not have anything going on. And uh, I have to put on this facade. I have to put on this front, this face that shows you that I got it going on. Don't worry about me. Look at that guy over there. And uh, it's absolutely not true. I'm, I'm hurt inside. I'm hurt all the time. The steps, the sponsor, when I started working those steps in the sponsor, something started to change inside me. I've now learned to come that I've got a purpose. What do we got, like a, another hour left? Is that right? I'm just checking on the time there. Timer? How much time do I have left? 22 minutes. Oh, okay. An hour and 22 minutes. Okay, we got a ways to go now. Um, the sense of purpose. This, this sobriety thing has given me purpose. I think I believe all of us have a sense uh, have a purpose and maybe some of us know what it is. Some of us don't today. I have that sense of purpose and I've been given a purpose and it's through a power of my understanding that I've been able to do business with. I've learned that in Alcoholics Anonymous when I first came in here, fuck you, God, that was my prayer. Couldn't stand God. What I realized now is it was still a prayer. I had the chance because I believed in the power greater than myself. Even if I had that love hate relationship and treated God like he was Santa Claus, it was still a relationship. And uh, because of these steps I have healed and my family has healed and, uh, and life has gotten different and there's areas in my life that are different. I got uh, about two and a half years sober I had met another girl, uh, another girl in the program, sober. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> a couple in AA is dating because on the second date, the U-Haul van is outside the front door. So I swear to God, this happened. The first time we had sex, she got pregnant, and that was a month into dating. She's pregnant, and uh, we move in together a month later. I proposed to her two months later, your typical AA wedding, get pregnant first, get married two and a half years later. And uh, recently we just separated. So it's tough. This is uh, 
12 years later. We were married for 12 years and we just recently separated. So that's tough. I just lost my dog on Friday. We just lost our dog on Friday. That was tough. Just passed away and very good friend. My daughter, uh, my daughter's 14 years old. She's never seen me drink or use. And she's never seen the little boy, scared boy, the, the irresponsible kid, loser of a dad, not once. And I've become a man in this program because of working these steps, because of men that are in my life. Thank you, Mark, you know, for keeping me sober for the last four years. And Naveed's my, Naveed knows who he is. He's my man. He's been around for, what, 11 years now? I can finally trust him. <laughs> the friends I have in the program today are the best friends I've ever had in my life. The friends I used to have are still doing the same shit. I guarantee you Sunday night, we're in a garage somewhere playing ping pong and, and darts. And like I said, put some methamphetamines in me and I'm going to beat you at both those games. I'm very good at those. I uh, have no obsession to use or drink tonight. That obsession has left me a long time ago. As soon as I started working the steps and had a sponsor, uh, my sponsor is Tom P. And I'm grateful for the sponsor I have. He has shown me nothing but love and uh, no control over me. Do what you want kind of guy, hippie, free spirit. Love that man. He's a very spiritual man. Probably the most spiritual man I know. And uh, he tells me to put on a suit and a tie when I'm asked to speak. I put on a suit and a tie when I'm asked to speak at a meeting. I do what he tells me to do. and He doesn't tell me to do much. What he has done for me is taken me through the steps and through that process. When I got to step one, two, and three, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I know I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. I get that. That's not a problem. My life is unmanageable. Yeah. I get that too, not a problem. Is that my timer already? I thought I had at least an hour. Um, step, step two, came to believe in a power greater than myself. Yeah, I already got that. Fuck you, God. Got it, you know? Uh, to restore me to sanity, I don't think I was ever sane. Even before I started using drugs, I was doing insane things when I was a kid at eight years old, 10 years old, whatever. Um, wasn't quite there. So step three, when I, when I made a decision and my grand sponsor, David Booth, who passed away last year, very close with that man, him and I would talk every morning at 5 a.m. because he was up and I was up driving to work. Him and I had a very special relationship. He was my godfather. We used to go to church together. We went to a lot of meetings together and he passed away. It's, uh, it was his time, but it's one of those moments where I think about him often. In fact, I took him to his last meeting Mark here got to take him home after that last meeting. And that was our Tuesday night men's uh, stag of Irvine. And it's not a meeting David Booth, uh, you would think would fit in. This meeting is, is something special and it's not for everybody. If you're sensitive, I highly recommend you do not come. The, uh, so my, my lineage with Tom Phelan and, and David Booth, just two great gentlemen that have taken me through this journey that have helped me become the man I am today to stand up here and let you know I'm a, I'm a man. I'm responsible for myself, for others around me. I'm accountable for myself. I've no longer blame other people. And I've learned to point the finger at myself. What can I do better? What is it that I can do to change, to rectify the situation? 
when I got through step four, step four was writing everything down. Not a problem. Got it done in a day through David Booth's workshop. Just getting your four step done in a day. Incredible. I've done it three times. Uh, happy birthday to, was it TJ? Three years. Is that right? JT? JT. Three years. I only remembered that right now because you were talking about steps 10, 11, and 12 every day, every day, every day. And sometimes I falter. And even my sponsor says once in a while, you got to go back and do step four and get a house cleaning done. And that's what I do. And step five was just a, a, a spiritual moment with my sponsor where it was like the aha moment for me was step five that I had gotten from drugs and alcohol. And I didn't think it was a big deal, but letting another man know my deepest, darkest secrets was something that I didn't think anybody would ever find out, nor did I want anyone to find out. Uh-oh, people are starting to leave. Yikes. Um, when I went through these steps, steps six, seven, the shortcomings, and eight, finding out the people I've harmed. I know the people I've harmed. I had that list, that ex-girlfriend, that one I had talked about earlier. Major harm. Wants nothing to do with me. The restraining order was lifted years ago. Still wants nothing to do with me. And it's okay. You know, that's okay. I know I've attempted. I've tried numerous times. More harm is going to come by me trying to make amends to that person uh, than having her feel relieved of just not knowing who I am or where I am. So I went through this process with the steps and step nine was another one where it was just weights lifted off my shoulder. And I say that when, when you're walking around with weights, you get used to carrying the weights. You get used to it for a long time. When they start getting lifted up, uh, off of you, when you start working this process with the steps, with the sponsor, those weights get lifted up, off of you and you, you feel so much lighter. It's incredible. It's an incredible feeling. And I continue to do this process because life has been so good to me in sobriety. About five, six years sober, I'm driving home from work and I'm in the truck and I'm driving home and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, remember, I got the wife and the kid at home now and uh, I'm going to get a six pack of beer. This thought came over to me. I'm going to get a six pack of beer. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good beer. I got a little bit of money now and, and life is good. And uh, why haven't I drink, had a drink in so long? But it was just this. 15 minutes of conversation with myself of why haven't I had a drink? And I finally realized I was sober for the last six years. It was weird. And it was just another, another, because I do have demons and this one demon's always talking to me in one ear. And then hopefully that angel's a little bit louder. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it is. And I, I constantly have that battle every day. And this is why this is an everyday process for me. Every day I get up, I try to learn. I have a routine. I get up in the morning, do my shower, but as I'm looking in the mirror of myself, I tell myself I'm a winner. And I've learned that from Bigfoot, another sober member who died sober. And the reason I do that is because I've always constantly told myself I'm a loser. And I beat myself up even when I look at myself in the mirror, even sober. So I try and start the day off right with some prayer meditation in the morning. I have my quiet time for at least 30 minutes before Mark fucking calls me every day. At 6.45, he's gotten earlier. Usually it used to be 7. Now it's 6.45. Every day, Mark is calling me. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. 
And what that does is gets me started on making my phone calls because every day I make at least three minimum phone calls. I talk to three people and I know who those people are. One's in the bead sponsor, Ronnie D. Another one is Paul D. Paul D brought me back into this program when I was about 10 years sober, nine years sober. I was doing one meeting a week. I was miserable. The wife said I need to go to counseling. I was doing therapy sessions on Thursday and my Tuesday night meeting. And uh, my therapist uh, wouldn't take my uh, insurance anymore. I was like, well, screw that. I'm not paying you a hundred bucks. My friend, David F, David FL, David, very close family friend of ours and his wife, um, he decides to take me on Thursday to another meeting, Triple G meeting in, in the park at a big book study. And I've been going there for probably five or six years. And it's been a, an eye-opening experience. Now I go Friday night paycheck meeting, what it used to be my regular meeting when I was new. And uh, Saturday morning, I'm doing the montage men's meeting. I usually do men's meetings. And, and it's about three or four meetings, sometimes five meetings a week now. And my life has gotten better over the last 10 years. So Paul D is, I'm giving him credit for that, for bringing me back in. And being of service is what I have found my purpose to be, being of service to others, being of service to meetings, just being of service. That is what I am here to do. Um, I believe I've been called to do that. Um, life is good today. Even with all the chaos going around me today, separation from my wife, my dog passing away, that was a big deal. Uh, still sober, don't have an obsession, no thought of drinking or using, not one. It's not a concern. And uh, my wife is still sober. She just took 20 years last uh, couple weeks ago. And uh, we're both grateful. We're both sober. And that we know that that's our number one. God and AA. 1A and 1B. You can put it in any order you want. But this big book, the big book has taught me and what my sponsor has taught me is that there's no power in this room that can keep me sober. The power has to come from something greater to keep me sober. Someone like me is doomed. If I don't get in touch with that power, that power is the one that will solve all my problems. That's what that big book talks about is about getting in touch with that power that will solve my problem. And that's what the steps are for. That's all I got. Thanks for letting me share.